0: Welcome to Poetry Spotlight, presented by the Ohio Poetry Association. I am your host, Jeremy Jusek, and with us today is Doc Janning. Doc is the inaugural poet laureate of the city of South Euclid. He has written specially curated poetry for a multitude of city events, ranging from Heights Arts and Cleveland Photo Fest to the South Euclid City Council, with which he publicly shares a poem at each meeting. Doc founded and moderates the Second Sunday Poets, Awanites, a reading series that features writers from around the globe and regularly participates in readings and workshops around the Cleveland area. Doc, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: So, would you like to start us with a poem?
1: Um, I wouldn't mind. Labyrinths of imagination. Above the clouds are swirling infinite moments. They converge in fulgent fractals of time, stretch into the forever beyond forever, stravage the alchemy of ancient starry shores, prism into timeless rainbows of life, and fly among wondrous hidden worlds. They unfold through labyrinths of imagination, They explore a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma and become everything.
0: Thank you very much. Your your poetry is so cosmic and expansive and you have a very broad perspective looking in. What draws you to your aesthetic?
1: Um. All I can say is that uh, I feel as though I am a scribe for the multiverse i am I am a conduit for its thoughts and words,
0: okay and do you do you feel that conduit when you're writing or sharing poetry with others or? Um Is it something that you feel during the editing process how what does that feel like
1: it's It's present in all phases of my poetry, whether I'm writing or listening or just meditating on what i am uh, what I am given as a cue to write as a for instance this morning uh I was in I was out to see my dermatologist, and I had looked at the fountain in the lobby of the building before, but today it was as though i I had seen it with new eyes so i I'm going to create a poem about it
0: okay, so it's ever present then it's all around
1: you. <laughs> it is.
0: Yeah. Would you say it's a a spiritual connection that you have?
1: Some folks would call it spiritual, yes. Uh, I just call it uh, my connection to the multiverse.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm hesitant to put any hard labels on it because you have this customized experience that you know the instant you slap a label like spirituality on it other people are going to go hey that's what it is you know what i mean and (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to do that to you
1: (laughs) yeah and 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 the variations uh which come through are infinite
0: yeah and and you had you had a life event a pretty major one that spurred on either ignited or or you magnified your love of poetry. Do you want to talk about that? You've shared this with me. Are you comfortable sharing it with the podcast?
1: I am comfortable sharing with anyone. Uh late June of 2012. I I never had a heart attack. Uh I just was feeling uh strange. I went into the hospital and uh it wound up I needed a quad bypass. During the procedure, I died on the table. They had to fight to revive me. And after I recovered, it was as though a switch had been thrown. And what I had dabbled at over the previous years of my life, uh, only writing about 40 poems or so, became my my raison d'etre, my reason for being. And the poetry began to flow.
0: What was your relationship with poetry like before the procedure?
1: Like I said, I dabbled. Uh, I wrote a poem here, a poem there, but nothing in particular. Uh, the earliest poems were were love poems as for most adolescents and, and uh, very young adults.
0: Sure. And what did you, what was your, this might be a little too personal, but what was your, would you say was your reason for being before the procedure?
1: Uh, actually, I was floundering with that. Uh, I i and until just within the past few days, I really was struggling with the existential questions of life, who, what, and why I am, and where I'm going. Yeah.
0: And so why, why up until just a few days ago?
1: Um, I don't know i i really don't understand how uh or or what triggered the enlightenment but something did
0: okay and it feels like kind of an honor to record just a few days after that enlightenment (laughs) you know i because there there are a lot of people you know we've this podcast has interviewed so many writers and there's so many more out there left to be interviewed um and I think everybody struggles with purpose. Um, for you, what, what, are there specific elements of purpose? Or is it, is that too all encompassing? Like writing is just it now.
1: Uh,
2: I am here not just to write, but to bring thoughts of poetry to the public, to the community, and uh, to
1: utilize the questions of the question of why not when I encounter a group which is not utilizing
0: sure, sure, and. It's what at what point did you decide the writing's not enough? I, I need to reach out, I need to get more involved.
2: Um in uh
1: in mid twenty eighteen, that's when I first started campaigning for the city. Of South Euclid to have a poet laureate I had I had been going to some open mics. I had heard of and I had actually heard other poets laureate speak, and I said, "Why not?" So I went online. I found the parameters different communities used for selecting a poet laureate. I integrated them, tweaked them for our particular city, and presented it to the mayor and city council. The council dumped it in the mayor's lap and she put out a call, about a dozen of us uh, locally responded and I never expected to be selected. I only wanted there to be one and here I am
0: that's interesting Do you, do you remember who some of the other uh candidates were?
1: uh let's see the the late uh, jim Wallace oh, was knew. one yeah um I believe. Michael Cirolo was another,
2: um, and I
1: I also think Ben Gullias, but beyond those, I don't really recall the names.
0: Sure, yeah. So, so let's let's talk about the laureacy. Um, so what projects have you have you done, and and how has it been received by the community? Well, where are you at?
1: (laughs) Well, first of all, when I became Poet Laureate, I decided that I was going to read to the city council at every meeting. And then as uh, civic holidays came along, uh, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, uh, Independence Day, etc. I said, I'm writing poetry for those holidays to be included in the ceremonies. Uh, one of the events that's held in our community is a party in the park uh, called the Bexley Bash. And I contacted the organizers and said how about if we have a poetry open mic as part of the entertainment and I will read and I will invite poets from the community at large if they wish to to come forward and read as well and that has happened.
0: That's excellent and what, what do you think is, what do you think are the long-term effects of having poetry as a, as a, as a form of public record? Because I, I, th- I find it interesting that there's going to be some local historian going through, digging up these meetings someday and going through and like, this is doc guy has been reading for years, like, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> you know, there's just not, there, there isn't enough poetry in public spaces. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, how has it been received by the city? And, and what do you think about that long-term impact?
1: Well, uh, number one, it has been received very, very well by the city. Uh, The city council members appreciate the poetry. Uh, In fact, recently, the president of the city council has said that I have brought her to an understanding and appreciation of poetry, which she had never understood before. And she is now teaching her kids to love and read poetry. Uh, and then more even more recently, she said that I continually amaze and awe her with my words. The mayor told me last summer that, yes, my term was, was originally supposed to have been uh, only two years, uh, but she had continued me because she loved my work, and I was the Poet Laureate as long as she is mayor. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: are you up to that task that's a long time
1: you know what <laughs> i it it for me at age 79 it may be a lifetime assignment
0: yeah um and, I, I, oh sorry go ahead
1: <laughs> and in the meantime i'm getting involved with other groups like the ohio scottish games and i'm uh, this june 25th I am convening the first ever poetry event at the Ohio Scottish Games. And it may be the first such event at any Scottish or Highland Games around the world.
0: That's really cool. You know, you you could get, you could probably find some Scottish writers and and have some of their work read at the event. I, I know Jane McKee is a poet and uh, she teaches at the University of Edinburgh, I think. I met her in Scotland. Um, but yeah, there's. so are you going to have like Scottish poetry? Are you going to make it an open mic where everybody can read? What, what does that event look like? I'm curious.
1: Okay. It's going to essentially have two parts. The first part is going to be people who are Scots and or members of, of Scots clans reading the poetry of robbie burns oh cool <laughs> in the, in the at mustering the best scots they can uh, they can and then the second part will be a public open mic for adults and youth that's with cool. judges from the audience the first part will be judged by uh, volunteers from the scottish heritage association
0: that's very cool I, you know, I I could never roll my Rs, so it made learning Spanish very difficult.
1: <laughs> I've got a knack for for uh, language ever since I was very small.
0: Do you speak Do you speak multiple languages? Are you bilingual? No,
1: unfortunately, I don't. I I know enough of several different languages to get my face slapped in each of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> your your vocabulary is impressive i mean you've you've been uh you you started attending the west side poetry workshop during the pandemic because we we switched to zoom during that time and i I can't tell you how many times i had to you know look up the definition of a word you put in a poem or a word that you added or a phrase became a part of the open discussion of the workshop itself (laughs) so um you have a very clear fascination with, with language where does that fascination come, come from and, and do you like what is your reading regimen like
1: well uh, my fascination with language started again when I was quite small uh, my grandparents were from Hungary they came over uh before World war one uh so there was always a little bit of Hungarian being spoken uh they were also uh, their the family is also Jewish, so there was a little Yiddish in in the mix um and uh, growing up uh I was taken to the West side market where you heard many, many different languages being spoken. So I picked up uh, nuances from that. And uh, in elementary school, I was in an an advanced class. So we had uh, a couple of years of French. Uh, In junior high, I took a semester of Latin And then between high school and college, I took four years of German. And then one semester of Russian.
0: Okay. So you've been all, you've dabbled all over the place.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I (laughs) haven't dabbled it. I've never learned Hebrew, though. uh, And uh, I've never learned any of the languages of Asia. Other than you know a word here and there, like "谢谢," which means "thank you" in Chinese.
0: Okay, cool, cool. Um, and, and were your parents avid readers? Did they? Well, what's your earliest memory of poetry? And and did did growing up, what parts of growing up uh, informed that?
1: Well, uh, growing up uh there was always reading in fact uh, reading was my refuge because uh i was to be blunt, i was abused when i was an infant and, and small child uh so reading became my refuge and as early as i was able I would walk to the uh, neighborhood library and I would sit there and read for hours. And when I took books out, uh, I especially recall one part of my youth where we lived off of Buckeye Road. And um, there, at, down at the end of the street, there was a, a big field and in it, an old, gnarled apple tree with branches that hung down to the ground in almost a tent or or igloo shape. And in good weather, I would sit under that tree and read for hours. Hmm. I called it my reading refuge. <laughs> but uh, I've read the the legends and lore of countries from around the world uh i've read all of the uh holy books from around the world and uh i utilize all of that knowledge in writing
0: yeah it's it's almost like your own personal lake isle of industry you know yates had his cabin that he wrote about and as his own refuge but you know
1: but as for my personal uh reading habits um i read when i'm not when i'm not inspired to write i don't call it writer's block i say it's an opportunity to learn more by reading so i'll pick up a book of poetry i'll pick up a book of fiction I'll pick up a book of uh being a retired podiatrist I'll pick up a medical book and I'll read
2: sure yeah I
1: explore the vast reaches of knowledge
0: and and isn't that inspiring like I know when when I read a book I, I start reading it especially if it's poetry I get like halfway through the poetry book and i I just think, man, I really want to write. <laughs> you
1: know? oh, absolutely I I do. Uh, and just uh last night I picked up uh this book, the collected uh poems of Stefan mallarme uh uh translated by Henry Weinfeld Field. And already I'm writing uh due to inspiration just from the forward to the book that's because winefield his language is so rich
0: yeah oh it's spectacular um yeah do you do you find that your your medical background informs your writing too because i mean you 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 know you mentioned you're a podiatrist you that was your career um, yeah,
1: well, it was. Uh, I re- I had to retire in 1995 due to uh, having had to have my cervical spine rebuilt after being hit from behind in auto accidents twice in four
0: months. Whoa! Oh, good lord! Yeah. So, oh my god, these medical procedures have defined your life. <laughs> <moving
1: forward. laughs> and and actually i was never really that happy pra- practicing podiatry and with the increasing uh intrusion of uh the government and the medical uh insurance companies etc i was doing paperwork half the time and that to me that wasn't practicing
0: sure yeah. And it's not poetry paperwork. It's a lot worse. <laughs> oh,
1: far worse. <laughs> All you had to do was get a word wrong and, and boom, the claim was rejected.
0: <laughs> oh God, I can only imagine. <laughs> so uh, back to, so back to your uh, laureate initiatives, you have started several programs and you've been involved in a whole bunch of stuff since, since the, uh, since the nomination um so so let's talk about second sunday poets which is being moved as i understand the library is not allowing program programming anymore on Sundays, so it's going to go it's moving to wednesdays it's
1: is that right? uh going to be first wednesday poets
0: okay all right so second sunday poets was that one of the first programs you started yes it, w-
1: it was um uh, i was uh at the library one day and well, even before the Second Sunday Poets began, I was at the library one day, uh, in in the Writers Center to peruse some of the literature there, and the librarian began talking to me. She knew who I was, and that I had been appointed, and uh, she offered me use of the office in the, the writer's center one day a week cool and i accepted and then i got to thinking you know there's a poetry workshop that happens here on a monthly basis at the at the writer's center it's the cyril Dostal poetry workshop and i said why don't we have a poetry reading an open mic so she approached uh, bro- the idea to the powers that be of the Cuyahoga County uh, Public Library, and they said yes, run with it. And she and I batted ideas back and forth about uh, when and a name for it. Uh, so it's a cooperative, collaborative effort, and we came up with Second Sunday Poets and. Started running it in March of
0: 2019. Sure. And what what impact has that had, either on you or the or the community, or? Because I okay. I know that I I people come to me and tell me about uh you know that your the the reading series and um I get a lot of people that come into my workshop excited <laughs> you know they're like ah oh, I was at Second Sunday Poets last month it was great. He told me about he told me about this. So thank you for the referrals, by the way. <laughs> also.
1: <laughs> You're quite welcome. Uh, when it comes to poetry, we have to spread the word. Indeed. And uh, well, it to me it's a labor of love. Um, and I what I do is I call upon poets from northeast ohio and i invite them to be our featured reader i don't set a theme and it is open to everyone 18 and older from the community at large so we've we've had a an influx of of people from different parts of greater cleveland and northeast ohio coming to the event sometimes we have as few as four or five which is normal for any type of of literary event and sometimes and uh we've had as many as uh 25 to 30 in attendance so it it uh, we go with the flow
0: <laughs> sure sure and then you started an online series called Awanites. And now Awanites is super interesting because every time I look, I've, I've, I've only been able to attend twice. Um, but whether it's, you know, the advertisements or the workshop or the readings themselves, you have, you find poets from all over. The one woman I believe was from Spain that you had reading. And it, so where, where do you find, where do you find so many poets and, and how are you so connected globally? you do you also do readings you you did a reading in japan like last month or something and a couple
1: months ago yeah
0: a couple months ago yeah yeah so so, talk, so if you don't mind talk talk about that
1: when the pandemic struck and we could no longer do in-person readings readings began cropping up on zoom and As I learned of each reading I attended, if I liked the group, I continued going, if I didn't, so I discontinued. Um, And one group led to another, led to another, led to another, and I would hear other poets, either from the U.S or from around the globe who were had interesting work and i would say okay they're on the list i'll i'll invite them to read for us and that's how it comes about
0: yeah just getting connected and reaching out exactly yeah now you before uh before you got active at the administrative level, you were involved with with other writing events too, from 2012 on. Were you attending Bob McDonough's uh, workshops on the East Side?
1: Yes, I I've been a, a steady attendee of uh, the Cyril Dostel Poetry Workshop.
0: Oh, that's okay. I didn't realize that that's what the name was. Now, because so I yeah. when I attended, it was just like Bob McDonough's workshop. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah
1: it was named for the the late poet cyril a dostoevsky
0: okay yeah and and he has i think the, the the claim to fame to that workshop is it's the longest running workshop in definitely the state maybe the country
1: I I, 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 it, there may be one other workshop in new york which is is longer running but we're not certain
0: okay <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know the library administration has told me before because they it's I mean, it's 40 some years. It, it could be could be in the 50s at this point. Um. So the the reason the reason I brought that up is I wanted to ask you, what do you th- what are your opinions on the state of the poetry community? Is it improving? Is it getting healthier and more robust? Is it getting more connected? Is it? um as the internet and COVID fractured it, you know, what, what, how do you see it based on your time in the community?
1: The way I see it is we've gone from being small collectives of poets scattered here and there, even, even in a local region like Northeast Ohio, there, there were pockets of us and, Yes, we interacted, but really not a whole lot. Uh, And we really knew little of the poetry world outside of the area. Mm -hmm. The pandemic, Zoom has been its silver lining. It has created a worldwide community of poets. Yeah. And no, I don't understand all the languages, but I love the beauty of the rhythms and lining and syntax of those poets
0: yes yes when you when you hear i love listening to a bilingual poet reading in another language I, I, A friend of mine joachim he's he lives in norway he attended one of the workshops and he submitted to the anthology for 2021, I think it was. And uh, he read his poem in Norwegian. Um, Manuel Iris, he reads and writes all of his books and all of his readings are done in English and in Spanish. And if there's, I agree, there's something excellent about listening to a poem that was written for another language, but you can hear... Even though you don't know what's what, what's being said, I certainly don't. I I only speak English, but you can hear the attention to detail in the words, even if you don't understand the words. There's a flow, there are those cadences, there's the pacing. It's 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 still gorgeous to listen to. And and I and I'm not sure the same could be said for every other style of writing. You know, you know what I mean? Like I think poetry has that specificity. And that 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 razor sharp attention to detail that gives it that extra, you know, oomph. That that regardless of the language barrier, you can still enjoy it.
1: That's why I look at poetry as a visual and performing art. It's a, it, it it is an art.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned that you so that that was a question I wanted to ask you because you you had said that poetry more than anything else in terms of at least literary expression is the closest to a visual expression so so would you mind talking about that a little more because I, I i'm curious
1: uh it's the way words are placed in lines and those lines are placed on the page and the way uh some of uh, the some poetry has a shape to it when it's on the page. Uh,
2: our our words are the brush strokes of poetry.
1: Okay, or the or the or the stroke a strike of a chisel. Sure in the turn of a phrase
0: yeah okay yeah i can see that and in
1: fact i wrote something last night which goes to that which you might like
2: Uh, here we go
1: Poets are magicians and alchemists of words, drawing undiscovered meanings from the alembic of the craft, distilling from the concrete medium of language, enchantment and incantation of exquisite infinite moments, knitters and weavers of words on needle and loom, crafting visual and oral tapestries in the warp and weft of time, stitching together in words, phrases, and stanzas, expressions of life and living in the poetry of being, painters and sculptors of artwork of the mind, drawing out unremembered and unknown thoughts and dreams, carving out memories in the maze of neurons, visions of the past, Hopes of the future in the voice of forever.
0: I like that. And I I like that not just for its connection between poetry and art, but I also like the mention of the brain neurons. I I like the idea, the the reminder that at some level, at least, this is still very much a chemical process in the brain and that the the, the creative connections made between art and writing are indeed similar yeah and then you know poetry has things like imagery to help it along that are intended like a lot of poetry crafting techniques are intended to plant visions in people's heads
1: exactly exactly they paint, they paint a, a picture for you
0: yep, absolutely
1: In, in fact, almost every corn paints a picture of one sort or another
0: yeah except for you know i, I remember going to see to, to the museum and seeing like a blank canvas and it was meant to be like a statement on artistic expression in general so it wasn't meant to be something visual that you took in but <laughs> <laughs> not related to this <laughs> you
1: know what you you that, that is an, an expression
0: of art yeah okay yeah and and I, I've heard the the adage that if it makes you talk about it, then you're thinking about it, and mission accomplished anyway, whether you like it or not.
1: <laughs> exactly It's an expression of what um I can't remember the the gentleman's name, but a French philosopher said uh, referred to as the great perhaps.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Um, Now you've stated, you know, one of your big goals is to get poetry out there in other people's hands and get other people thinking about it. And in this podcast, you mentioned the idea that you're a conduit for those things. Do you think that everyone has the capacity to be creative? And if so, you know, how do you go about reaching those that might be more resistant to it?
2: Uh, there's a, a
1: very old adage that you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink <laughs> and it's the same with creativity you can help people recognize their creativity in whatever area it is whether it's poetry uh, writing fiction Creating paintings, sculpture, castings, uh, creating knitted items, uh, creating new recipes, etc. It's all creativity. And if you can help them recognize it, great. But if they refuse to acknowledge,
2: you don't fight them on it they have to come
1: to that recognition themselves then. sure in any way in any rate uh even if you help them they are they are acknowledging for themselves that yes they are created.
2: yeah
0: okay and um <clears throat> i want to loop around to uh you know, the the your laureate your your tenure as laureate. Uh do you how has the how has the office changed you and how has your understanding of it of the position morphed in your in your tenure there? The tenure in as poet
2: laureate
1: as helped me understand
2: how to create for
1: specific purposes other than just um, something which comes to me uh, through reading, uh, observing, etc. um For instance, being given
2: the uh, specific
1: duty of writing a poem about different types of trees on Arbor Day or writing a poem as a tribute to a retiring council person. Uh, I can do that more readily now. Okay. And the same thing goes for poetry for the holidays. Again, normally it's not something which inspires me, but I look at it, I research it, and something strikes me and the poem flows
0: so not only are you so would it be fair to say that not only has it made you more community minded but it's also allowed you to emotionally express on behalf of others
1: yes exactly okay,
0: okay. yeah i you know and and i i can i can empathize with that because i've had some community assignments myself this year and the first assignment was very challenging and it did get easier over time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, because, it, you know, and, and that for that first assignment, I gave, you know, I gave the, the people who requested it. I gave them multiple versions because I kind of sensed that the first one I wrote, my first attempt was more modern and, than they'd like and more my style, but I figured it, perhaps as a community they a community organization, they would want something more specific to their ideas and to their, you know, makeup. And when I gave them those options, they picked the one least like me. And that was a that was a great, that was a great moment, a great teaching moment because I realized, yes, my instinct to keep writing and keep going until I found something that I thought would be better suited to them was good. Yes. And it it that experience has helped you know i uh,
1: i I've only had one experience of reading a poem to city council where uh, a member of the audience uh and the poem was uh broadly politically based. Uh, where a member of the audience uh, who's who i know is shall we say very conservative uh, stood up and protested why is he allowed to read something like that here
0: (laughs) first amendment rights (laughs) yeah okay well and i mean that's that's definitely, that's definitely going to draw some ire, I think. <laughs> hey,
1: you know what? It was only the once, uh, and I, to my, uh, privately, I, I thought, well, that's her problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it is a line, right, like, as you do have to think at some level, especially when you're, because essentially, laureates are representatives on behalf of the city, for the exactly. city, and there there is a line there there is like a <laughs> a yeah. mark in the sand and and maybe the wind's blowing a little bit and it's hard to see the line sometimes but it's there for sure <laughs> yeah
1: uh i've never had been naysayed on any of it by any member of council and uh
2: you know i'd say
1: at least five out of the seven like my work
0: hey that's not bad that's <laughs> that's, that's pretty good <laughs> if five out of seven people went in and got my book out of a bookstore i'd be thrilled <laughs> you know <laughs> but
1: yeah and i don't even have a book in publication yet
0: <laughs> keyword yet <laughs> correct yeah, yeah. And it's not. I mean, especially when your goal is to, you know, set up programs, share work with others, and, and invigorate others. It leaves very little time for publication. Yeah,
1: I am. I am in in uh, over twenty anthologies, but uh, <laughs> no no individual
0: book. Yeah. All right. Well, you'll you'll get it soon. And uh, would you like to read a poem before we wrap up?
1: Oh, I think I can manage that. Let's
2: see what I want to read for you.
1: Okay. This is a newer poem which really has no title yet.
2: Looking through windows
1: of time, dreaming of now, visions of the future, memories of the past, colors and sounds flow to form and reform images, images of love, and life, their joys and sorrows in all the melodies and shapes of forever, echoes and soundscapes, light and shadow of infinity, and in the midst of all, a journey, a promise,
2: you.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you first licks. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been Poetry Spotlight, a production of the Ohio Poetry Association. Please follow the OPA on Twitter at Ohio Poetry and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Ohio Poetry. A transcript of this episode can be found on the OPA blog. Visit Association.org for more information. And Doc, thank you so very much for coming.
1: Thank you for inviting me.